welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Emily Tang. Emily knows a thing or two about dreaming. She has always dreamed of possibilities when others see problems. She knows what it's like to be the underdog or misfit, fighting to be seen, valued, and heard as a sensitive soul to now leading an award-winning nonprofit based in Singapore, Blessings in a Bag. Her friends liken her to Professor X, saying, Emily's not bald, but she takes in those who have been overlooked, forgotten, or left behind, and sees their unique gifts. She brings them together and uses their superpowers to change the world. Her decades-long work as a community leader received Singapore's President's Award for Commitment to Rallying Community Spirit, and Emily was also named World's Most Inspiring Leader and Changemaker by Facebook in 2018. She also represented Singapore and the United States Women in Leadership in ASEAN as part of the Young Southeast Asia Leadership Initiative by the State Department of the USA. In 2019, she was honored by Generation T Asia, Tatler, as the next generation of influencers who are changing the face of future leadership. In 2020, Women's Weekly named Emily one of the great women of our time in public service and education. She has taken her experiences and wisdom and turned it into a life of service for the greater good. She is currently located in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband, where she lives out her new dream, supporting other change makers, visionary founders, and heart-led leaders to rest, reimagine, and birth their dreams to the world. In so doing, the world is transformed, one person and one dream at a time. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you today? I'm doing so great. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh. Thank you for coming on the show. I have a lot of questions. So, but let's get started by um, basically telling me a little bit about yourself and then we'll go from there. Okay. So I'm a third culture kid, born in Malaysia, raised in Indonesia and in Australia and in Singapore. Uh, I'm currently based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and, you know, just this morning I was reflecting on what the experience feels like for me to have grown up as a third culture kid and been all over the place mm -hmm. of not really knowing which place to call home of feeling like I don't quite belong in any of the spaces or cities I live in and how that shows up in the way that I show up in the world and, and the work that I do. So, um, yeah, the nutshell for me is I guess you can say I'm a bit of a misfit and <laughs> as I've grown older. I've started to lean into the parts of me that, that make me a little weird, quirky, and maybe even a little crazy. Um, but yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. Well, okay, so you call yourself yourself a third culture killed, a kid. So is it more that than, than being like, I mean, you like to travel. Do you, do you think that it's more of a... Um, a wanderer of sorts um, or a traveler of sorts who, who wants to do good out in the world? Yeah, so the third culture kid is, is not a term that I personally came up with, although that would be amazing if I did. <laughs> but third culture kid is was coined for any, you know, child or now person who grows up outside of their home culture. Mm. And in this way, you know, I was born in Malaysia, my mom is Malaysian, my dad is Singaporean. Even then, you know, I was already born out of either side of the culture, I guess, mm -hmm. and then raised with different 
ideals. I went to international school my whole life. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's for the third culture kid in me just doesn't quite know where to call home. Mm -hmm. You know, when you get asked the question like, Hey, where are you from? And I'm like, which one should I say? Should I say Indonesia or Australia or like, where should I pick today? Um, but I I do love to travel and I do love to do good. Mm -hmm. Um, so, well, yeah, we're going to get more into that. OK, so so I read that during a financial crisis in Singapore, you'd experience some financial difficulty. Can you tell me what it was like living um, during that crisis? I mean, I'm, and I read that it was during while you were younger. Yeah, it was much younger. And so I only remember, you know, little bits and bobs. And I feel like my parents probably sheltered me from a lot of the anxiety and worry of all that they were navigating on their own Mm -hmm. um as I've grown older I've been able to develop more compassion for my parents and what they had to grow through even through a lot of those challenging years in the financial crisis I do Mm -hmm. however remember you know my dad being home a lot more and that was actually a highlight because he was so absent in my childhood years mm-hmm. um and I know my husband he likes to joke sometimes that I have daddy issues but you know <laughs> we can go into a whole therapy session about that mm-hmm. but having a dad come home to you know make frozen meals and take us to the park was such a treat and mm-hmm. seeing my mom as the breadwinner for a while really kind of shaped and opened my eyes to a different sense of living and navigating the world mm-hmm. um with the financial you know crisis I was always reminded about, you know, being grateful for what we had, being able to have a roof over our head. Mm -hmm. But I also do remember those constricting and challenging times of having to wait in line outside a shop or a bakery just so we could get, you know, discounted bread for the day. Mm -hmm. And I know, relatively speaking, that what I personally experienced is nothing like what others go through in other countries where there's houselessness and abject poverty but I think that the scarcity concept that Mm -hmm. I grew up with Mm -hmm. in those formative childhood years has come along the ride for me to this day in adulthood Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm consciously trying to untangle and trying to detach myself from when I'm in therapy or in reflecting about how I approach life and work now as a grown-up this sense of scarcity and not having enough or you know, making sure that you save up for a rainy day. There's just some, certain things that when you grow up in financial crisis that mm-hmm. you that are, that are ingrained in you that you just don't quite, like, realize consciously that mm-hmm. you are carrying those things into adulthood. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about that. Um, and I also read that you were, back in middle school, you were bullied when you were living in Australia. How did that affect you at home? So at home, I was always thrilled to be at home all the time. I'm a highly sensitive person and a proud introvert. And I love being in my own space, doing art, you know, listening to music or Mm -hmm. writing snail mail to friends around the world. It was, however, very difficult for me to express what I was going through with my parents. Mm -hmm. I think I just didn't quite have the the language or the communication concepts and given the uniqueness that the Asian culture brings about not, you know, bearing Mm -hmm. your emotions to the world. Mm -hmm. um, It it was definitely challenging. And I think I became really good 
at compartmentalizing school time versus home time. Mm. And there was a change in me that my parents did witness. Maybe I didn't notice it, but my parents did. Mm -hmm. You know, just before moving to Australia, I was, you know, school prefect. I loved learning. I loved going to school. I loved to study. I just couldn't wait to go to school. But then after going to Australia, I just couldn't wait to go home. I mm. wanted to be by myself. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to get out of bed. And I used to fake being sick all the time. Mm. And it was just, um, yeah, it was just night and day change mm. in me, um, personality wise and behavioral wise. Huh. I mean, did that affect the um, the friendships that you would make outside of the home, being um, an introvert? I think I think back then and to this day, it does impact mm -hmm. me to a certain extent because I'm just not going to pretend to be the life of the party anymore, and so. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's just certain environments that I thrive in and certain activities that I, I love to do. And so I think it does impact social life to a certain degree, mm -hmm. but it probably doesn't impact the quality of my relationships. Like I have some of the most amazing friendships with in incredible women mm -hmm. and men, mm -hmm. um, but they value me for me mm -hmm. you know the introvert and the sensitive and uh vice versa I can also celebrate their uniqueness they can be the life of the party they mm -hmm. can be the loud one mm -hmm. um it's it's just about celebrating each person's uniqueness that's great thank you for that okay and one of the things I found fascinating was that part of your curriculum was to go to the Australian outback with your classmates for a term to live and learn about nature a, did you like that? And how long were you there? And what was that experience like? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> question. Because you know what, Tess, like in the first couple of weeks, I actually hated it. Like with oh, all geez. of my being, I was so homesick. And I mm. think like a little part of me was just so missing that routine that I had at home and my, you know, your creature comforts and, mm -hmm. and, um, looking back, I just didn't have the self-awareness to know what I needed, the boundaries I needed to put up at, at that age. And you sort of have to do as you're told by the teachers. Mm -hmm. But now as a grown up, you can say, oh, I'm not going to do that because, you know, energetically wise, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not how I roll. But mm -hmm. as a student, you just have to do what you're told. But other than the, you know, first couple of weeks where I was homesick, mm -hmm. I felt it was such an incredible experience. It's something that is is with me even to this day. I think it co has contributed to the way I love and appreciate nature. Mm -hmm. um, the curriculum is all about sustainability, both from a personal standpoint, but community. Um, we lived off the grid. You know, oh, if you wow. wanted hot water, you had to chop wood and, and, and make a fire. If you wanted eggs in the morning, you had to go to the chicken coop. Wow. Um, so we okay. learned all things about effective farming and renewable energy, like all the things that are very trendy right now mm -hmm. in sustainability today. Mm -hmm. We learned that back in, you know, 1998, 1999. Wow. Um, so we were a little bit ahead of the time. And yeah, yeah there was, so. yeah. I mean, just imagine it was an all girls group, you know, and we all had to learn how to, to, get along together. So there was also interpersonal skills needed, communication skills. Mm. Um, and I do remember the three-day hiking expedition where there's no showers, oh my no bathrooms. 
you wade through leech infested areas. You have to pick out ticks after going to the toilet and wombats are invading your tent. So just imagine like all girls going through this experience, (laughs) you know, you, you, you leave that experience, like having a friendship because you kind Mm -hmm. of quote unquote suffered through the outback (laughs) together. Wow. Your comrades in arms. Yeah. Pretty much when going through like totally different environment, like a, a, a definitely something that was, like you said, not your comfort zone. And, yeah. And for me, I would have probably not survived. <laughs> you know what I'm um, because a like nature, I love nature, but I don't know if I could basically be in in nature and live in nature for a term. <laughs> that that I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I guess everyone kind of has their own. Um, their own comfort and after a while I probably would have gotten used to it but you know having to go through that when you're in I guess early teens that's that's pretty amazing so that's wild that's really that's really pretty uh pretty wild I think um certainly so but what an experience though and I'm sure from that you know you must appreciate that what you went through has that shown up in your life? You know, like having all of the, having the, all the lessons that you might've learned living and having to depend on other people and, and especially girls, you know, <laughs> around that <Yeah>. age. <laughs> I think it certainly like impacted the way that I look at relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that I quite mastered the relationship building skills that I need to navigate this world now as an adult. That's what I go to therapy for today. But Mm. it it certainly gives you a better perspective that everybody's going through different things and Mm. we all have different lived experiences and there's different cultures to appreciate. There's diversity and even the dialogue, like you can agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's like this myth that like women always have to be you know, agreeing with one type of um, train of thought. But Mm -hmm. I think that there's something to be said about agreeing to disagree in a kind and compassionate way Mm -hmm. that is supportive to to all. I so agree. I like that. I like that. Um, Okay, so in 2005, you signed up for a five-day radio and media course. And after that course, you were offered a job to be a radio DJ for one of Singapore's top radio stations. And had your own show, and that was at 17 years of age. So first of all, how was that? And what was the name of the show? And what was that show about? I think it was very eye-opening for me. And a word that I would use to describe is nerve sighting. It's both nerve-wracking and exciting <laughs> at the same time. Okay. I I didn't even know that I had any sort of potential to host my own radio show because, you know, previously growing up in Australia and then you know being going having that experience of bullying and Mm -hmm. and all of those sorts of things I had a lot of social anxiety and I didn't quite know what it was to have an opinion or speak with my own voice Mm -hmm. but I took over a long-running show called Say It With Music and back then there wasn't Facebook or WhatsApp or Mm. any sort of tech upgrade we've had in the last decade Uh it was all telephone requests so people had to phone in and they had to write me letters. So oh, they would wow. have to pre-plan and send me a letter with their song request and their dedication. And I would read their stories, dedicate a song to them. And 
yeah, that was how I did my radio show. And it was when I first discovered the power of storytelling mm. and the importance of using my voice for good. Wow. So all of these skills I have definitely taken with me to this day. Wow. That's really cool. So how long were you a radio DJ? I was a radio DJ, I want to say for a little bit over eight years. Wow. Um, yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> okay, so in that respect, I mean, being an introvert, that's interesting that as an introvert, you like being part of the public via radio. And it's kind of like, well, so in a way, it was fine to be um, I guess it was fine to communicate or have a relationship with the public via radio because it wasn't in person. Um, and did that make it, did that, your introvert part of you, did that make it better for you? You know, not having to be so, um, I guess, out in public. Yeah, it's an interesting question that you're asking. I think for me, introversion shows up in a way of energy management. So if I'm going to go to a social gathering or I'm going to go around a large crowd, like a concert, I just intentionally need to know like, okay, I need to get my energy reserves up for this mm -hmm. event. And then after just totally crash because that's how I just get drained. Mm -hmm. And for radio, it was really energizing because it's easier than being on television in front of a camera or mm -hmm. in a crowd full of people, because like you said, it's being by myself. To me, it was like talking to myself, which is what I do normally anyway. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the tricks that uh, my mentor told me was to talk as if I'm speaking to like a best friend. And we used to have a Shrek doll. And to get over my fear of public speaking in a way is I would put the Shrek toy in front of me and just oh. have a conversation with Shrek. Oh, that's awesome. And use that to broadcast nationwide. So I love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, and, and it's great because it worked, you know, and obviously it worked because you were on it for eight years. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And wow. I think like when when you're t when you're helping to share other people's stories mm -hmm. and giving other people voice to their requests mm -hmm. and what they're going through, mm -hmm. it becomes less about your voice and more about how to amplify theirs. Right. And that's why, you know, to this day, if I do something that's public facing, I just mm -hmm. try to remind myself, you know, what am I advocating for? Who am I amplifying? Mm -hmm. And is this in service to the greater good? Right. So. Oh, that's really cool. And I love the Shrek doll. That's awesome that you use that <laughs> yes. as, as, and you know, it helped. That that so that's really that's really a great way for you to um, be in communication with other people without having to really, you know, be outside of your comfort zone, which is that's yeah. really awesome. So okay, in two thousand January two thousand thirteen, um, actually in. Let me go back. So in 2007, you were, was it, were you 20? And you created Blessings in a Bag? Yes. And then in December 2012, you got your job to devote your time fully to it. So I love the name. But <laughs> what is it and what inspired you to create it and decide to commit to it full time? And was that a hard decision to make? Yeah, lots of questions there. But for Blessings in a Bag, I, I founded it when I was 20 years old. It was a grown-up initiative 
it wasn't anything formal. It initially started off, you know, collecting donations in kind and redistributing them across the Asia region through a traveler network. And and now to this day, it's evolved into serving children, and young people in Singapore. Mm. And, you know, being 20, I definitely have to admit that there was a certain sense of naivety mm. and just idealism and optimism. Um, and I'm not sure that if 34 year old me would do it again if she would do it the same way I just don't know if I have the energy or balance to do that but um yeah this is my 13th year of leading the organization and I really just wanted to amplify the message of doing what you can with what you have where you are and encouraging people to step outside of themselves for a minute to you know listen and understand other people's stories what they're going through And offering support, Mm -hmm. um, offering empathy, offering um, just anything that they had, you know, time, talent, finance, finances, skills. Um, So it's it's really evolved. Mm -hmm. And this year we're entering a season of of exciting change. So I'm excited to see how it goes from there. That's awesome. Okay. And I love your vision, which is we believe every child has a right to opportunities loving support and space to build their dreams. We believe in a future where young Singaporeans can shine their brightest regardless of their background or circumstances. When you wrote that, um, were you also thinking about yourself in a way or was this primarily because you really were, you, you really just want to help every child, you know, that is going through crises or having to have having to have to adjust to where they are yeah it's a a great question um so this this vision that vision statement always gives me chills when I hear or goosebumps and Mm. to clarify like I I didn't personally write it I had a team of volunteers um incredible board members who supported me by listening to how I talked about community and you know the work that I do with children and just mm-hmm. took the language out of my mouth and then crafted into this incredible vision that wow. speaks deeply to my heart. And I think that, that the vision is really for, for all children mm-hmm. and, and maybe a little bit has to do with, you know, my experiences growing up, but I think that there's actually a child an inner child in every being, mm-hmm. even as grown ups, there is a child um, that, wants to be seen valued and heard yeah. and I sure. I've also read stories and tried to reflect on the 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 atrocities that we see in the world mm-hmm. and how it it sometimes can stem from child trauma or, mm-hmm. or not feeling safe or mm-hmm. not having that loving support growing up and then ultimately feeling so isolated that um, people you know they just act out in desperation in an extreme ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, gun violence yeah. and, you know, mental well-being issues and, and, and just racism and hatred. And there's just all sorts of things that come out of not having a, a foundation of love and support. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I really want to create is, is a world where every child has 
space mm-hmm. for them to build their dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be for Singaporeans. Like mm-hmm. maybe in future we'll expand globally and, and just have people shine their brightest regardless of what they've been through, the yeah. experiences they've navigated through, mm-hmm. um, and all the pain that they've they've had to, you know, receive in life. Wow, that's amazing. And wouldn't that be amazing if, yeah. could, <laughs> if you could grow it to that extent? You know, and and you might, you know, you probably could. So I mean, it, you know, it's like right now, it, it, there's like really no boundaries when it comes to wanting to be able, wanting to help, especially children. You know, yeah. who's who's you know who are definitely the ones without a voice. So, that's thank you. I love that. And so in January 2013, you went on your first blessings trip, which was in Legaspi City, Philippines. That, what was that like for you, seeing those children and, and bringing, you know, bringing your vision and your mission to that country? Yeah, I think, I think there's like two responses emotionally for me. Like, first of all, it was, it was sort of like brokenheartedness mm-hmm. and despair for just the abject poverty that many children and communities um, like the ones in the Philippines are, are, are navigating through. But I also am filled with hope because mm-hmm. I was able to meet with a lot of loving people on the ground, um, local leaders, you know, local nonprofits. And that's what I really loved about the work that I did. It wasn't me coming in to say, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. It was, it was really about how do I, again, how do I amplify their work? How mm-hmm. do I support what they're doing? What resources do they need? to do meaningful work and for me I'm just I was filled with so much hope and I'm still filled with hope to this day because those same people are still continuing with 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 this important work in mm. those same communities in Legaspi and I think there's something to be said about the social impact space about maybe the the savior complex mm. or the 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 haves and the have-nots and and you know, I, I must say in reflection growing up or, you know, when I started my journey in social impact, I, I used to use the terminology a lot of have versus have not. Mm-hmm. But now I've just reframed it as a way of, you know, what are the strengths that people have? Everybody mm. on this planet has strengths and yeah. they all have a unique superpower. Yeah. And how can I help to get them to discover it or, or what's what's one way to go on exploration together um, mm. so that it's not about me helping you but how can we help each other to like together right because there's just so many things that I learned from from the work and the communities that I've connected with along the way and wow. so I hope that people who are serving communities to this day are doing it in a way that's honoring and you know, dignified mm-hmm. and involves people to have a seat at the table when making changes in community too. Wow, I love that. So, okay, in June, in June of 2013, Blessings in a Bag had to move out of the warehouse that you were in. And in July 2013, your social enterprise had to move out and you hadn't, I mean, back then you hadn't found a space for all your donations yet, but have you since? And um, were and going back then were you prepared was that something you were prepared for because of maybe the donations had gotten so big that you know you really had to move out yeah so you know 2013 we were still continuing with our donation collections and we just redistribution efforts so Mm. to this day in 2021 we no longer do that but 
back then, you know, and in Singapore, space rental mm -hmm. is just such a killer. Like, there's only one word for me to describe it. It's absolute killer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, being such a, a young ground up and, and, and being a community organization that didn't really quite have the reserves financially, it mm -hmm. was very challenging. It was so stressful and overwhelming. I, I didn't plan for it. And I think that for a lot of the things that I... I did in my ground up um, in the early days was mm -hmm. very reactive. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't sort of like any plan A, plan B, plan C, all the way to Z. It mm. was just like, okay, I can only really focus on the challenges right ahead of me. And I can't focus my bandwidth energy on, on that much more. Mm -hmm. um, we have since found a space and we've turned it, it's no longer a warehouse. We've turned it into a, a safe and trusted community space for children aged six to 18 years old. Mm. And um, yeah, we, we welcome youth every week through our doors and wow. it's just a, a wonderful space um, to, to achieve our vision, which is, you know, a space to build their dreams and have that loving support. Wow. I love that. That's really awesome because now it's really like you can see, you know, who it's really impacting as you know, as you're helping yeah. um, these children. That's really, that's very cool. Um, okay, so I want to go back to when you were talking about everyone having a superpower um, because you have, you, you, there's a term that you coined, which is on one of your, you had a shirt on, on the video that I saw, which says world change agent. And instead of using the term volunteer, I, I love that, but, for you, what is a world change agent? Well, for me, it is, you know, I reflected on, on this question about what is a world change agent. And I think that it's it's really each of us having the ability to be or become a world change agent in our own way. Mm -hmm. And it really starts by focusing on what's going on inside of us. And when I say inside of us, I'm not talking about, you know, digestive system, I'm talking about what's going inside your heart. Mm -hmm. um, do you have inner peace? Do you have, um, have you cultivated love and joy and gratitude so that it informs the way that it shows up for you in your outer practices. And for me, it's really about that inner practice leading to the outer practice. That's what well change agent means to me. Um, and, and literally being the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And the way that you can make change is to start with yourself. And that's usually a very difficult place to start, right? I think mm -hmm. it's easy to tell other people like, oh, I think you should change this way, or <laughs> maybe you should do this. But right. when you stand in front of your mirror and you're like, okay, like <laughs> these are the things that I need to work on, it yeah. can be really challenging. And I think change starts in your heart. So, um, yeah, that's what it means for me. That's great. But I think for the volunteers, because it really was about the volunteers coming up with that name, mm -hmm. it is really that transformative effect that it has on people who believe and see that they are a world change agent and then they can own it. And, mm. yeah, I think that that's really powerful as well, is being able to be part of something. Mm -hmm. Um that's what really draws people to that name is that sense of community and belonging is, right. is really powerful. Wow. I love that. Uh, okay. So there's another term um, that I read, which is dream doula. So <laughs> I, I want to ask you, what is a dream doula for you? 
and this was yeah something you created or yeah so tell me the the story behind dream doula <laughs> i love yeah, that actually <laughs> i love this question because um i'm still sitting with that question in some way today because it's only come about in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, I call myself now the dream doula. It's just been a new way of, of expressing myself to the world. Ah. And, and the way that I do that is I have this new dream in my heart where I want to inspire and support 1 million people to birth their dreams to the world in service to the greater good. And the dreams don't need to be, you know, a huge, a huge thing or mm -hmm. a big dream, but it can be about, you know, small, meaningful changes that they want to do. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just see myself as a dream doula because I think about, you know, birthing those dreams and how challenging it can be. Mm -hmm. I go back to when I was 20 years old and how I was starting, you know, blessings in a bag and doing all those things by myself mm -hmm. and not really having a mentor or somebody to cheer me on when, you know, when we lost the space or mm -hmm. when we encountered challenges. And so for me, it's really about coming alongside someone and saying, like, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. These are the resources that you can lean on. Um, this is how I can support you. And just being that person that I needed when I was younger, because, oh. you know, let's face it, you know, birthing something, like birthing children, I heard is mm -hmm. very painful. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think the concept of birth, you, you need community and you need to be with people who um, can celebrate that dream of yours that's living within you that has to be discovered. So that's where it's that. coming from. I love that. That's so beautiful because it is, it does take, it takes a village. And like you said, it's a community, you know, you can't yeah. do it all by yourself. So was that, oh, I mean, going back, was there an, an event or incident that prompted you to create blessings in a bag? And also recently, like, you know, having this dream to, um, to support um, dreams for a million people being yeah. a dream doula for, for blessings in a bag. Um, I want to say that it was really noticing, um, a sense of apathy back then mm. when I was just studying. I'm, I'm really proud now because, you know, globally, I think the younger generation, and now I sound really old, but I just <laughs> feel like people are more open mm -hmm. about, issues and causes you know they talk about mental well-being they're talking about environmental justice mm -hmm. they're talking about social justice and racism so I think back then it was really about the apathy that I looked around and saw mm -hmm. around me that prompted me to start blessings in a bag and I think for for this new dream of mine that um, is showing up really strong in the work that I do today it's really from my own personal experiences and in reflecting okay in the last 13 years you know what is it that I wish I had who did I wish I had in my corner but also in listening and learning from other change makers mm -hmm. and community leaders they talk mm -hmm. about you know burnout is just so common mm. you know yeah. burnout and isolation and overwhelm and I feel that it's it's a deep loss mm -hmm. for me to see so many people who have light and have gifts and have amazing talent just burn out so quickly mm. um and so I think it's a disservice that these people don't feel supported or they, 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 they're having too much in their plate. And, and I want to do something that can help keep their flame alive. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, could you say that you had an aha moment 
for either one of them before you got, you know, before it hit you that, okay, this is what I really, this is why I'm doing this. And this is why I created this. I think this is a really good question because um, I think oftentimes in life we tend to look for those aha moments mm. and I've definitely been one of those people. I, I'm starting to sense in that maybe looking for the aha moments is not um, necessarily helpful for my path. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment because you're just looking for this big big thing or a big sign mm-hmm. um, to say you know turn left or turn right mm-hmm. and I think it's really about grounding yourself or being able to check in with with your heart and saying okay what is my north star what do I believe is my reason for being or mm-hmm. what is it that makes me feel alive and energized in this world and then following those breadcrumbs Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like if you can do that with a sense of curiosity and um, experimentation, mm-hmm. then it'll oftentimes lead you to where you're supposed to be, as opposed to maybe looking all the time for a sign. And I, like I said, mm-hmm. I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, should I do this or should I do that? Like, right. just tell me. And it's it's like um, you're only going to learn by doing, yeah, and for sure. and also learn by learning, which is failing and learning. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's really like a, a great way to to you know follow the path that you're meant to be on. Wow, I love that, and and it, it's funny because um, as you were talking, I'm like I started thinking about how I got started with this podcast because. I've been a writer forever, um, and I, I am a contributor to an organization, um, and I've been writing for them for about five years. And then I'm like, you know, you know. And then during when the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, what do I do now? I mean, I was still writing, but at the same time, I'm like, I felt restless, and I'm like, okay, what does this really mean? You know, why am I? Why? What am I looking for? And my husband and I are both big podcast listeners. And we were in the car one night, and all of a sudden, I was just like, huh, okay. And then I asked my husband, it ha- it, and I, when I, I would always preface this by saying it started from a conversation in the car, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. You know, and then I, was, I said to my husband, I like, um, how would you, what do you think about me starting a podcast, you know? And he was like, that's awesome, but what would you call it? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I really want to be able, I want to be able to connect with women, not just here but globally you know so we saw that we went on with other names and whatever and then you know I came up with revolutionary women because women are very revolutionary they they once they set their mind to it they are on fire and they just do it you know and the parentheses with uh, between the e for revolutionary women is actually because women are constantly evolving you know, as we keep going, we keep evolving, and then we revolutionize where we are. So this was just like, for me, I was like, okay, I think this is where I'm supposed to be, you know? And, I love it. <laughs> thank and, you. And, Tess, like, I think I want to highlight something that you said, which was, you know, you were evaluating and thinking about, you know, birthing this podcast yeah. during the pandemic. And there's something to be said about, the whole world going on this big pause. And I know Mm. people have talked about it before, but Mm -hmm. there's something to be said about the power of the pause, the power of really getting quiet and still and checking in with yourself about what is it that 
you want to do? What mm-hmm. is it that excites you? And for you, it was about storytelling, conversations yeah, right. about women and global diversity and all these sorts of things um, and, and kind of like mapping it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you just never know quite what you're going to come up with, right? And I just right. love that story of how even this podcast that we're now talking through mm-hmm. yeah. came to be. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really was to be able to acknowledge and celebrate and really like get to the stories of these women who are not acknowledged, you know, who, who we don't even know about. And there's a, a one of my favorite podcasts is called What's Her Name Podcast. <laughs> and it's hosted by two women who basically go through like from the 17th century or 15th century on up about women we've never heard of. And they actually go through what their life was like back then and what they contributed to the world. And I'm like, wow. And I think that's when I started thinking, like, you know, I want to do that. But now, like in terms of what's going on in the world right now. And for me, it's so much more, um, I, I guess for me, it's it's really about connecting and also hearing about what their struggles are and how we are all ultimately, you know, connected. Um, so thank you for, for, you know, for all that you're doing because you're birthing your dreams. It, I can so relate to, you know, and, and when you started talking about that, I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it, you know, because I'm <laughs> like, okay, I'm doing this. I've been doing this since November. And I've been amazed because I am just like, you know, more women are showing up and, and I haven't even had to like advertise it, which is pretty amazing. You know, I've had people basically recommend people, women recommending other women in their lives. So, and I want to keep going that way because there's so many stories, yours, you know, like other people and and other women from around the world that I really want to just say, hey, you have a voice and I want to know, I want to know about it. So. But I love it. Oh my gosh! But I, you know, it's it's amazing because whenever I, when I I learn more from my guests, I really do. You know, every time I have a guest, I'm like, huh, okay, that's something else I didn't think about that perspective. <laughs> so thank you for that. You know, um, and thank you for for like being so open about it. You know, and being so um, open and and vulnerable about you know what you had to go through and, and what you've been through and, and how you're now, like, you know, now it's, it's because, it's like, how long is it? Blessings in the Bag is now 13 years? Is that what you said? Yes, 13 years. Oh my gosh, years. that's a pretty amazing. <laughs> that's really awesome. Coming from when you started at 20. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. So. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so is there someone um, you would give credit to for where you are now? Um, it's an interesting question, question, because I, I don't know, I struggle with this, because there's just been so many people who have loved me into being and have supported me mm-hmm. and, and my vision along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel that that is the power of community and that, you know, the person that gives anonymously or the person that's, you know, helped to refer us or spread the word or, you know, mention my name at rooms or tables that I didn't even have a seat at. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I just, 
don't really know who they might be, but I just have a lot of gratitude for, for everybody who has been with me in this journey, who have seen me through everything, mm. you know, um, yeah, just, just a lot of gratitude for the people who have been with me and are still with me to this day. That's great. Okay. And, um, is there, oh, can you mention a time when you thought you needed to do something that would affect your life and others? Um, hmm, interesting question, this one. Um, mention a time when I thought I needed to do something that could affect my life and others. Mm-hmm. Um, well, would be like birthing blessings in a bag and, <laughs> and the work that I'm doing today and um, just getting involved, putting my name in or raising my hand to, to, to be of service. That's, mm. that's just, I find it hard for me to answer this question because mm-hmm. maybe I feel this way like every day and mm-hmm. maybe that's why it's hard to put a timestamp because every day I'm, I'm just waking up with the intention of how can I be of service? Mm. How can I support somebody like how, how can I, you know, not just see or give love, but how can I be love in mm-hmm. this world? So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a interesting question that one. I'm going to have to reflect on that one when I journal <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So I read that you have a current project, which is Amplify Asian Voices. So is that something different from what you're doing now? Yeah, so I'm I'm what you would say a multi-hyphenate, and I think it's important to talk about multi-hyphenate women because oftentimes I meet um, younger women or just younger professionals who think that you know choosing your first career is like the the end all or be all. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've just been in multi-hyphenate my my whole professional life. Mm-hmm. And Amplify Asian Voices was me putting up my hand to support a local nonprofit here in the Bay Area. Um, as you know, in America, we're going through a surge of racism, mm-hmm. specifically for the Asian and Pacific Islander communities. Yes. And so yeah. when there was an opportunity for me to use my skill sets for storytelling and skill sets for public speaking and all of the things that, you know, energize me, mm-hmm. um, I just said yes. And wow. so now I'm, I'm, you know, interviewing different public leaders. I am speaking oh. to different um, Asian voices. I'm amplifying their voices. That's and awesome. um, oh, that's yeah, so it's really... just about saying yes to, wow. to things that you can be of service to. That's really beautiful. I love that, especially like is that, especially now, you know, um, well, okay, so we're coming out of a pandemic. <laughs> you know, we're we're still in the middle, we're still in it, uh, but we're we're slowly, slowly getting out of this. Um, but did that affect your foundation? Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be incredible if I didn't get impacted by it, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure if there was anybody who didn't get impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, for for us, it was about you know. The operational cost. We were still paying rent mm. on our on our building that we we rent from, and our doors were closed. Mm. And it was uniquely challenging in that the work is done in Singapore, but I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area, and so leading through crisis mm-hmm. remotely, 100 mm-hmm. percent, is very complex. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely learned a lot from that experience. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was very challenging Mm -hmm. and it gave us an opportunity to pause kind of like how you pause in the car to Mm -hmm. create this podcast. Mm -hmm. I also paused over here to be like, okay, what's, what's our next, um, you know, what, what now and what next. And that's Mm -hmm. where that new vision and mission came out from that time Mm -hmm. of pause. Um, so for us, our focus this year is to really, you know, pivot a little bit. I know everyone's talking about pivot, but mm-hmm. we are going to be making some structural um, foundational changes. We're onboarding a global advisory team oh. and we're, we're kicking off our fundraising. So there's just lots of exciting transformation from oh, wow. the pandemic. That's really yeah. cool. Out of, out of something that was really, you know, um, scary and, and yeah, like a really sad time but you know now like you're having all of these things to look forward to that would really be um creating more opportunities and 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 help out so many others that's amazing i love that yeah so okay do you is do you have i mean you started talking about it but do you have personal goals this one's really tricky for me to answer (laughs) i think the reason why is because um, I'm a planner. I mm. love to plan, but if there's anything that last year taught me is that you can't really quite plan for everything in life. And true. so That's true. I think when I first saw this question, it, it did send me down this, this whole rabbit hole. Mm. Um, my word for 2021 is possibility. Oh, cool. And so for what I'm, I'm doing is, is just really focusing on slowing down even more. Mm. Um, I, I actually had a miscarriage on New Year's Day this year. And oh, so I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh wow. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I actually don't even know if I'm supposed to say thanks to that. That's oh, how like wow. fresh it is. But wow. <laughs> um yeah, and I think like having gone through losing my grandmother last year in October oh. and not being able to fly back home to Singapore and then having the miscarriage on New Year's, um, I think what my focus or personal goals would be is to really slow down and focus on what really matters. Mm. Um, So for me, it's about creating more supportive systems that, you know, can nurture my health and my own visions and dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I I like to think that I'm in the experimentation and creative cocoon of Mm. life and just, just being open to possibilities and surrendering the outcomes. So. That's awesome. And how about for blessings in a bag? For blessings in a bag, I think our goals would really be about onboarding and hiring um, incredible team members. It's about putting the foundational structures in place and ultimately serving more children and young people. Mm. We're we're, we're reopening again and we, we are just hopeful for what 2021 will bring. And we're also remaining optimistic that mm-hmm. we can raise, um, you know, a hundred thousand dollars by the end of this year to support the work that we're doing on the ground. Wow. That, that would be amazing. Wow. That I wish you luck with that. And, and I hope it does. I hope you are able to raise it. That would be incredible. That Thank would be you. Awesome. Um, and so is there a way for others to get involved with blessings in a bag? So for Blessings in a Bag, the best way is to, you know, follow our social media. We're on all the major platforms. Mm-hmm. And I want to say the most active being Instagram and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And also to sign up for our newsletter. Um, and so you can get that from our website, blessingsinabag.co. Mm-hmm. 
And in terms of other ways to get involved would be, um, you know, donating generously to our fundraising campaign. Mm. And then the last one would be you can volunteer. Um, There are both, you know, virtual and in-person volunteer roles, but we're not actively onboarding at this time. So the best way is actually to sign up to our newsletter to be the first in the know. Cool. Okay. Um, Is there something you haven't, okay, outside of blessings in a bag, (laughs) is there something you haven't done that you would like to do? Outside of the work that Mm -hmm. I'd like to do. Are you talking about like professionally or? No, personal. Personally. Personally. There's something else that I would want to do. I mean, if you had something to, I guess, what would be your next adventure personally? Or if you, wow. if you haven't tried any, if you haven't tried something, but you've always wanted to, what would it be? Good question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm actually really stumped. Um, what's something that I'd like to do or haven't done before? Um, I'd like to do pottery. Oh, if that's cool. Like, <laughs> like, if that's not too strange, I'd no, like to try my no. hand at pottery. It's creative. I mean, and you're yeah. a creative person, so that's that that's kind of like along the same lines. That's amazing. I'd like I love to, that. yeah, I'd like to do pottery, and I'd love to host a retreat sometime for oh. for other um, activists and people who are committed to the greater good to mm-hmm. come together to rest and realign and reconnect with who they are. Um, wow, that yeah, would be I'd love awesome. To do that in nature. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll be inspired by my time in the Australian outback and force everybody to do like a, a three day hike in the wilderness. Okay, I will report it. I will not show up for that. <laughs> I can do a Zoom for that one. I will not be coming on that one. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I would love. I was about to say I would love to join, but nope. I can just report it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it'll be lots of napping and and uh, nourishing conversations. Mm. That would be, that would, and a lot of eating somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> I would love, oh my gosh, that'd be, that'd be very cool. But you know, you know what, maybe you can think about that, you know, as, as a future endeavor. That would be awesome. Yeah, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so what would you like to say, is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners? Um, what I'd like to say is something that, I always say, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you are a unique being. The mm-hmm. world needs what only you have. And you're created to serve the world in a way that you have been purposed and created for. And so all of the pain and all of the, the lessons and all of the experiences that you've had to navigate through mm-hmm. and the storms that almost drowned you, mm-hmm. um, they all serve a purpose to where you can now today stand tall Mm -hmm. like a lighthouse Mm -hmm. of hope and wisdom for other people who may be swimming in those stormy seas and are finding their way so my 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 word for other people who might be listening in is um be a lighthouse for someone else who is walking the path, a similar path to what you have had to navigate through and use the pain you've navigated as a, your platform for purpose. That's really wow. what I would want to share. I so love that. And I love the lighthouse, um, the, the word lighthouse, because it really is, you're, you're like a beacon. 
you want to be a beacon to yes. be able to have people see, okay, you are safe and you can do this. That, exactly. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I got chills from that one. That was awesome. Um, and you, Tess, you're the lighthouse of hope and wisdom for, oh. you know, people who might be going through a stormy season in their own life and you're helping them find their way through the stories you're helping to tell mm. through these podcast episodes. So thank you oh. for being a lighthouse. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Um, for me, I really just hope I can be a I love the lighthouse, definitely. And I think if I can do that for one person, I think I I can say, okay, I'm, I'm good, you know, uh, I can keep doing this and, and I want to keep doing this because it really, for me, it, it actually helps me and it, it educates me every time I have a guest who has other nuggets to share, you know, which is always beautiful. Um, Absolutely. And like I say, like you're changing, you're changing the world, like one episode, one woman at a time, and I'm changing the world, one dream, one person mm -hmm. at a time. So yeah, it's, it's like that plus one effect. I love that. I love that. So okay, if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would that be? <laughs> that would be to the one thing that I would change is to start to see a therapist. And mm -hmm. I would do that like ASAP. Like mm -hmm. as soon as I learned what a therapist is, mm -hmm. I wish like I could have gone to see one. Mm -hmm. Do you think that currently that mental health needs to be addressed so much more, especially for young people? A hundred percent. And I also think there's something to be said about the cultural aspect mm -hmm. of mental well-being. Yep. I'm not sure about you, Tess, but growing up in Asia, I, you know, just had this understanding that it was better to, to sweep all your emotions in the rug and oh, let's yeah. not talk about our emotions oh, and yeah. mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. And there's, there's a lot of that, um, that thinking that we've been raised with that mm -hmm. we just don't even think that therapy is an option or we right. even think that something's wrong with ourselves yes. that we need yes. to see a therapist. Yes. And I think that we need to change that stigma of going to see a therapist in mm -hmm. the same way that we go to a gym to stay fit. Right. We need to go see a therapist to, you know, Marie Kondo a little bit of our, <laughs> our, our you know, our brainwave. Yeah. Um, yeah. So see a therapist and, you know, take, take the medication or supplements that you need, like mm -hmm. do what you need to do to be well and don't be ashamed of that. needing that help. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Okay. So my last question would be, what advice would you give your younger self? If you could go back in time, what would it, what advice would you give your younger self? There's a lot. I would say, <laughs> um, okay. Three things would be have the courage to be disliked because no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to please anybody, like all people mm -hmm. all the time. So mm -hmm. do it anyway. The second one would be honor your boundaries, whether you're an introvert or highly sensitive person or not. Mm -hmm. Honoring your boundaries is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Um, and the people who do not um, celebrate you for honoring your boundaries are probably benefiting from you not having any to begin with. Mm -hmm. And the third one would be slow life is totally worth living. So slow your role. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe leaving a reflection prompt for people, which is, will this matter five years from now? And how does what you're focusing your time, energy and resources um, serve your higher purpose, your visions and your dreams? So keeping that in mind as a reflection. I love yeah. that. 
I really love that. Thank you. I'm going to have to like, really, I'm going to have to go back to this and, and read that because especially, you know, in this day and age, it's so easy to get so caught up in, in this whole persona of, oh, you have to be liked, you know, in social media and, and it's easy, you know, and, and I think a lot of us, uh, I mean, I do sometimes still fall on that trap, but at the same time, I also know that, okay, that's not the that's not that's not real and what i do what i do outside of that is real so to be able to like you said you know know your boundaries that's really important and i love yeah. that you know focusing your time energy and resources to serve your higher purpose i think at the end of the day i would love to think that everybody wants to do that um and would like to see um you know, somewhere along the way, you want to have a world where, okay, you're doing this because not for yourself, but for others. So I love that. Yeah. So, oh my yeah. gosh. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show and for, for, you know, giving me insight into who you are and your organization and so much good luck with continued success with Blessings in a Bag and, and your um your dream for a million people i can't wait to hear what happens with that the next time and and you know and amplifying your voice so important right now it is so needed so i i truly appreciate everything that you've shared with me today and i hope that we can you know you can come back another time and and talk more about what's going on with blessings in a bag and, and hopefully by then it'll be global that would be amazing <laughs> Thank you so much, Tess, for having me. Like, I really appreciated your questions. It really helped me to reflect a lot more. Mm. And hopefully one day in the future, you and I can meet in, in real life one oh, day. Since we're that. on the same sort of side of the world I now. I would love so, that. I know. That would be yeah, amazing. Yeah, be amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good evening. You too. Okay, bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Emily Tang on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. 